Welcome to Recalculating, Adventist Life Now. Let's get started. I have the opportunity today to visit with Eric Ockel, a Division Director for Health, Communication, Education, and Planning in Weld County in the state of Colorado, the Department of Public Health and Environment. He serves uh, as a member of the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. He's a Food for Life instructor, an active member of the church, the Adventist church in that area. Welcome, Eric. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Eric, you have over 25 years of experience working at the state and local level, uh, specializing in chronic disease prevention as uh, part of your uh, public service. And in addition, listeners to his regular duties, Eric manages the public information and risk communication issues for the department. Uh, that means he's responding and managing COVID-19 media communication with not only local and regional media outlets, but outlets like CNN or New York Times. Eric is passionate about life uh, as a husband, as a father, as a church member. He's an avid uh, backcountry bicyclist and loves to ski. He recently took a bike ride, a solo bike ride of 825 miles from Banff, Canada, down in and through Yellowstone National Park. So, Eric, my first question, why an 825-mile mountain bike ride? Well, because um, that's the distance it took to get, <laughs> to get from Banff down to Yellowstone. Uh, it could have been longer if I would have taken a few detours, but essentially it was, um, uh, I wanted to just test my physical endurance as well as uh, I've been plant-based for a number of years, and I just wanted to see uh, how that would impact my body as well as the training on my, my eating plant-based foods for recovery and all of that. And uh, I'm happy to say it worked just fine, and it was a fantastic trip. Um, uh, seeing all the backcountry through Montana, uh, parts of British Columbia, Alberta, and um, and making it to Yellowstone National Park. So it was a fantastic trip. Obviously, your commitment to a healthy lifestyle is quite real. You are a plant-based uh, chef. You've got a published uh, cookbook. You do a cooking channel on YouTube. Give us a summary of your favorite recipe. Well, uh, speaking of that, I just made uh, literally last night my Great Divide Endurance Bar because this weekend I'm heading off to Utah for some backcountry riding in the desert. Um, <clears throat> I'm heading out there because I really, um, there's an international dark sky uh, area in central Utah and I want to go see all the constellations and planets that our great creator has made. And uh, so I've just made the Great Divide Endurance Bar. It's not my favorite food, but it's what I take when I go on these long endurance rides. Uh, my favorite foods tend to be Asian. I like uh, the flavors of garlic and ginger and uh, some of the spicy peppers. And then all the fresh fruits and vegetables uh, are just uh, absolutely fantastic. Um, but anyway, so if you just Google Great Divide Endurance Bar, you can get the recipe and see what I'm talking about. Uh, Eric, uh, many in our conservative faith community 
the Adventist faith community, and many, most of our listeners are part of that community. There are uh, some, of course, who are not, but uh, those who are are aware that sometimes the idea prevails that service should be done out in a country rural retreat somewhere where people leave public life and uh, engage in some health retreat ministry. You've chosen a vocation of life in the public square. Your life is distinctly health-oriented and distinctly Christian in value orientation. Can you talk to us a bit about that vocational choice? You serve in public health right in the midst of, of how people are living their everyday lives. Talk to us a bit about that. Sure. Well, you know, just following Christ's example, you know, where, where did he minister to people? He went to where people are. And um, I certainly would not uh, mind at some point in my career uh, working in some rural uh, mountain health retreat uh, either. So just to be clear, but um, uh, certainly right now it is in the, in the public sphere and um, I am, you know, actively engaged in the public health of um, our region here in northern Colorado, as well as engaged with the state of Colorado. And um, to me, it, it's just a calling uh, uh, to this ministry. Um, I've been at it for over 25 years in various roles. And, um, you know, m my daily prayer is just God to use me wherever I am. And, uh, you know, certainly you have to be where the people are. And, um, and so that's partly why I have uh, just been engaged now, certainly down the road, if if I'm directed, God calls me to work somewhere else, I'm, I'm happy to, to follow that leading as well. But right now, it has certainly been um, working on the public side um, in public health. And right now, certainly with COVID, uh, we have a, you know, a national crisis that uh, requires uh, a lot of uh, my attention right now. And so I'm I'm happy that I can serve the, the public and uh, the people here in, in northern Colorado uh, as we get through this pandemic. Let's turn a, a bit towards uh, that vocation of public health. If you were to describe uh, the vision and mission of public health, how would you describe it? Well, certainly um, what sets public health apart from like uh, acute health care is that, um, you know, when you go to your doctor, it's one-on-one, -on -one, uh, or if, you know, you work in a healthcare sitting, healthcare setting, you're, you know, you're working one-on-one -on -one with patients, whereas in public health, it's all population-based. So we're looking at how, how do we keep the population healthy? How do we prevent disease? How do we control disease? How do we uh, put in policies and procedures that benefit the health of the public. And a lot of things, you know, we take for granted around public health, like clean air, clean water. Um, obviously right now we have a pandemic, but uh, a lot of the time we're behind the scenes uh, monitoring a variety of diseases and uh, uh, quartering them off so that they don't spread uh, to the public. Um, so a lot of the times uh, the, the general public has no idea that we're there and we're stopping diseases, we're preventing diseases. 
And then some of the things that we do that's more in the in the public view is, you know, we, we do uh, smoking uh, policies and prevention. We do other chronic disease uh, initiatives, and uh, that tends to be a little more visible. Uh, but a lot of what we do um, is kind of behind the scenes. It's, it's a lot of that disease monitoring and, uh, and taking care of, of the diseases before they even get to like the level that we are now with, with uh, COVID. Now, how is the COVID-19 crisis affecting Weld County? What are you seeing there? Well, right now in, in Weld County, um, we have a fairly high rate of uh, infection. We've got well over 1,200 um, identified positives, which is quite high. Um, we're second or third in the state of Colorado. We also have a significant amount of deaths. Uh, I think we're over close to 70 deaths now, um, which is uh, very unfortunate. However, um, you know, with with this disease, and and we'll I know we're going to talk a little more about this, but uh, you know, some of those deaths were attributed to high risk individuals and um, uh, and that sort of thing. So that is part of the challenge uh, with public health is how do we protect the most vulnerable from getting uh, sick and certainly from uh, getting the ultimate uh, bad outcome from some of these diseases, which is, which is death. When somebody uh, talks to you about uh, this uh, outbreak, this pandemic, you know, because it is global, and and say it, it it's little more than the flu how do you respond in that conversation well um you know certainly people have raised that that you know what's the difference between covid and the flu and the the real big difference is that this is a virus that no one has had um, exposure to before and we don't know what the effect will be because we have some healthy athletes getting it and dying. We have um, adolescents getting it. Um, we have actually, with our monitoring, I'll just speak from uh, our disease monitoring, uh, we have positive cases of COVID from adolescents all the way through up through people in their 90s um, and all age groups. Um, but the thing that we don't know is what the impact will be. Some people are asymptomatic. They show no symptoms at all. Other people get very sick. Some people end up being hospitalized and sadly some people will die. And so that's, that's where the, it's very difficult with this new virus. Um, coronaviruses have been around, uh, you know, your common cold and, and that have been around for hundreds of years. But this is a novel uh, virus, a novel coronavirus. And so that's where, I mean, scientists are still trying to under understand this particular virus and who it's affecting. Um, and that's why it creates such a challenge because uh, we still don't know so much about it. But we do have to take it seriously because uh, the high number of deaths that it has caused and the high number of uh, infections. And like I said, some people, they don't even know it. Some people have mild cold flu-like symptoms and then other people end up being sick for a week at home. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty unpleasant to have a high fever and, 
um, flu-like symptoms like that. So uh, again, you know, we just have to take it seriously. Now, Weld County is something of a interesting population. You have um, affluent, advantaged uh, residents in your county. There, there are quite a quite a uh, a lot of neighborhoods that are very nice, well-to-do neighborhoods. But you also have with uh, an agricultural base and uh, the fast growth of, of the building industry in your county as well. You, you have experienced a significant immigration from our neighbor countries uh, to the south, and some of those who have, you know, in the last few years or first-generation immigration don't have quite the monetary economic advantage are are you noticing um a, a, a disparate uh, impact uh, across the economic scale oh that's a great question and yes we are and in fact um what we're seeing is uh, higher rates of infection in if you'd want to call it you know the blue collar the manufacturing uh workforce um here in Weld County, as in other parts of the country, uh, as well as other parts of Colorado, we've seen a rapid rise in housing costs. And so when people are making, you know, minimum wage jobs or slightly above minimum wage, uh, they can't afford the housing. And so we're seeing a lot of doubling up of uh, multiple families living in uh, one home. And that exacerbates the problem of a highly infectious disease like COVID, where if one person gets infected, um, and they come home, there's no place for that person to be isol in isolation or quarantine, which is part of how we, we contain this disease is through isolation and quarantine. And so what ends up happening is the entire house gets, um, gets infected. And the other thing is folks who um, don't make as much money um, or, or who are in service or manufacturing jobs uh, tend to have less health benefits and less paid sick leave, and so they end up having to work while they're sick, and uh, that creates a challenge as well. So, um, yes, it does create um, significant challenges, and unfortunately, we're seeing the results of these uh, these disparities um, with our high, our high rates of infection right now. No, I, yeah, Eric, I, I, I wonder, too, uh, I know... <clears throat> this COVID-19 has broken into our population. It's still, you know, new and recent. We might talk about 100 days, but that's not a long time to develop the science and the data. Have you, have you seen, I'm going to use a, a term like whispers of or hints of an association between um, lifestyle practices, uh, uh, I guess I need to say uh, maybe even obesity or other issues in personal health in terms uh, of how that associates with the seriousness of the disease within a person. Uh, yes, that's a, that's a great uh, observation. Um, we're seeing right now from the research uh, that's coming from multiple sources right now that um, certainly, obesity um, is a factor. Uh, obesity is certainly linked to uh, a host of other um, infections and diseases, but um, we've also noticed um, that 
uh, obesity is linked to higher rates of uh, influenza or the flu. And so it's no surprise that obesity uh, has been linked to higher rates of severe complications with COVID. Um, we're also seeing that uh, individuals who have uh, underlying chronic disease, um, like uh, heart disease or diabetes, are also experiencing more severe reactions uh, to the, um, the virus, as well as higher rates of hospitalization. So certainly lifestyle um, is impacting uh, the severity of COVID. Uh-huh. Now you have, uh, we're, we, we ought to come back to that towards the end of our discussion because again, as a, as a conservative Christian person interested in a lifestyle that, that honors uh, the gift of health, uh, our physical health, the bodies through which we experience life. You, you care about those things, and that naturally leads you to engagement with us. So I want to come back to that. But, but, but first, uh, you've partnered in the publication of scholarly work in the area of public health risk communication. What are some of the essentials of forming trust through the way we communicate during a time of crisis? That's a great question. Um, what is critical to effective crisis and risk communication is building relationships within the community before a pandemic or other crisis happens. The worst time to be building trust or credibility is during a disaster when you're trying to exchange business cards when you're in the middle of uh, any kind of a severe crisis. So it's vital to, and, and that's partly, you know, I, how I see our role as a faith community is building those relationships within the community when the times are good, so that when there is a disaster, uh, people know you, they can trust you, they they know what you are about, and uh, they know how to get a hold of you. And so that is fundamental to effective risk and crisis communication is building those relationships prior to any type of event. And then certainly it's, you know, all the regular things with communication after that is being transparent and uh, over communicating and, um, you know, acknowledging what is happening and uh, those types of techniques. There's a variety of techniques that you can use um, to communicate, but fundamental to all of effective crisis and risk communication is that building the trust and the credibility prior to an event happening. So if, if you have not experienced interactive um, participation in issues of, uh, of public health or public life, if, if all of a sudden you come, as it were, traipsing onto the scene saying, oh, here, we've got an answer for you, uh, the communication is going to work as well, is it? You, you've got to have served in a disinterested way prior to the crisis. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, and that's, Hopefully that's what people uh, do. Um, 
you know, as part of a faith community is that you are involved in your community and you are, you know, volunteering or assisting because uh, we do that through public health. We are involved in a lot of coalitions, a lot of partnerships. Uh, people know who we are. They know the work that we do. And so in a time of crisis, they can trust us and know that, you know, we have the uh, competent staff and we have the, the expertise to you know, collaborate and uh, effectively come to uh, solutions to whatever the, the crisis or the problem is. Your uh, experience, you probably have a few stories to tell in uh, communicating with the media. Is there any single story that kind of stands out that is an interesting one as to how you relate the COVID-19 challenge and your media relationships and that work? Sure. Well, here again, I mean, you know, we build and, and I certainly in my role, uh, I build relationships with the media on a daily basis. And it's when, you know, we're reporting, we're putting out uh, information about rabies or uh, West Nile virus or, um, you know, a health screening that we're doing with the, the local reporters. They all know who I am. And based on, you know, various conversations on a whole variety of health topics. Uh, they, you know, respect the health department and, you know, we've built relationships over the years. When we have a pandemic such as COVID-19, there's nothing new in, in that relationship building because we've already created these, you know, we've created these relationships on, on smaller, less significant issues. And uh, they can pick up the phone and call me. I just had a reporter calling me last night uh, around nine o'clock and um, I know who that person is. They know who I am. And, you know, we had a congenial conversation because they had some questions about the data and um, they were very happy that I was able to help them. And uh, that what they end up doing then is putting more credible information out to the public through, you know, their various uh, media platforms that they uh, write for and report for. And so it's a win-win, you know, we, we get information out to the public and the reporter uh, is satisfied that they're getting access. And we're happy because the information is getting out to the public in a variety of uh, communication channels. Now, in uh, the responses to uh, the COVID-19 uh, threat in our various communities. We're experiencing personal distancing. Um, when we do have to leave our homes, we're experiencing the stay-at-home orders. Um, they're limiting um, certain things like evictions or foreclosures. Other, other things like the testing availability or personal protective equipment. Uh, there's a lot of controversy, if you will, about the availability of those things. What's working? What's most effective? What are your challenges in Weld County in the response? Uh, great question. So, um, you know, we kind of have a three or a four pronged approach that um, has proven to be quite effective. Certainly, um, we like to talk about um, physical distancing versus social distancing because um, we don't want people to not be connected socially. But uh, physical distancing, you know, six feet apart if you're in the grocery store, uh, that sort of thing. 
uh, has been proven to be effective. And so we continue to promote physical distancing. In fact, we have uh, a social media and a billboard campaign uh, all around that right now. Um, certainly, um, hand washing is also effective to limit the spread of the virus germs. Um, our governor has put in an executive order that people wear masks in public uh, to help limit the spread. But then also, um, isolation and quarantine is a proven public health strategy that's been effective for hundreds of years in uh, limiting the spread of uh, everything from smallpox to, you know, now to COVID-19. And, you know, if you are sick, stay home, uh, limit the spread. Um, it's through that self-isolation that uh, we can contain uh, all kinds of diseases from the common cold to the flu to certainly COVID-19. And then with testing and what we do in public health, the other vital role that people may not realize is that we are informed of every positive that comes uh, in our county. And then we do contact tracing, which takes uh, a significant amount of uh, people power because we will contact that person and contact any uh, additional people they have, may have been in contact. And uh, it's through that. And then testing is the other thing that's a, a key component to this is identifying who is sick and then isolating and quarantining them so that they limit their spread. So it's really those four kind of key areas, the physical distancing, masks, isolation, quarantine, and then testing with the follow-up contact uh, tracing that's so important. And then of course, you know, just regular hand washing, covering your cough, stay home if you're sick are, are additional components that are proven strategies to prevent a whole host of infectious diseases. Now, uh, in our communities, there are a certain number of people who are anxious to get back to normal activity. As a person uh, responsible in uh, the public health sector, um, and of course, you're an active outdoors person, you're a family person, you, you are engaged in the church, you're anxious to see normal activity as well, but you have to manage that media flow and tension. Uh, how do we go about returning to normal activity and how do you try to communicate that to us all? Well, that's, you're spot on. Uh, I would love to get back to normal. Unfortunately, normal may not look like uh, pre-COVID to what it looks like now. If, if any of you have been in a store lately, like I have, I mean, there's uh, lines painted on the, the floors of the six-foot physical distancing. There's plexiglass up uh, to prevent uh, any air droplets from passing between the cashier and yourself. And uh, they're limiting the number of people going into stores and that sort of thing. So I think that's going to be part of our um, re-engagement with society after a lot of the stay-at-home orders we've had one here in colorado for the last uh, three weeks or so um, i think other states have had stay-at-home orders as well so how things go back to normal it's going to look differently but i think we can get through this because you know people are starting to practice adopt those behaviors of uh, wearing a mask in public or the physical distancing um, and then certainly just being conscious that there is a virus uh, out there and to you know wash your hands and uh, certainly stay home if you do get sick so all of those will be important tools as we start to um, 
you know, just re-engage with our communities um, as this uh, continues to unfold. And, and hopefully we are, and actually we are seeing uh, evidence that we are starting to literally uh, flatten the curve, the, the epi curve, the epidemiological curve of this virus. Uh, so a lot of what we have been doing is paying off, but again, it's a, it's a highly contagious virus and there are estimates that we've only had one or 2% of the population exposed. So until we get a vaccine, um, we're going to have to be practicing these behaviors for a number of months uh, to come until we do get a vaccine. And, and Eric, that, you know, in the, the last couple minutes here, I just, uh, I think we need to come back to that area of service to the public interest and public health. And as a conservative Christian, respecting the gift of life and health, um, I, I guess I have some hope that this is a wake-up call to some people to strengthen their immune system, live a very healthy life. You do a lot of things like work for improving the availability of fresh green grocery food in every neighborhood. You have wellness classes, you have cooking schools. Just give us a, an overview of how that kind of service that you do above and beyond your employed by the county, how do you see that now helping us as we go forward? Yes, um, you know, uh, we are empowered. Uh, we are created beings. Uh, we do have choices that we can make. And so what I try to do in my um, personal health ministry uh, as a, as a plant-based chef educator is to empower people either to start or continue their personal wellness journey. And it's certainly giving people the tools uh, to take back their health because a lot of people don't realize that they do control a lot of their, their personal health destiny. And uh, a lot of that is through, you know, what we put into our bodies. And, um, you know, there's a lot of evidence right now that, you know, there's things we can do to boost our immune system that helps us just to be more uh, mentally uh, aware and, and uh, have higher mental acuity, which to me is, is fundamental to uh, communication with our creator is that mental acuity, uh, as well as, you know, having the physical abilities to serve in our communities and that sort of thing. Um, you know, the, the foods that we eat, um, certainly whole plant-based foods, there's tons of scientific evidence that these are uh, very supportive of our immunity. For instance, you know, sweet potatoes, carrots, green leafy vegetables are high in beta carotene. It's a powerful antioxidant. Um, it reduces inflammation. Uh, boost your immune function uh, and the disease-fighting capability of your cells. Uh, vitamin C and E, which are in your citrus, broccoli, mangoes, lemons, that sort of thing, uh, is also a powerful antioxidant. It destroys free radicals. Vitamin E, which is in your nuts and seeds, spinach and broccoli, is also powerful. Um, and then certainly just uh, sleep is so important. Uh, sleep is... Uh, incredible immune booster. So is um, another initiative that we uh, support here is people getting outside, getting fresh air, physical activity, that sort of thing, uh, are all proven to build our immunity, to 
strengthen our immune system, but also to have higher mental acuity. And I will take the mental acuity uh, probably over anything else because it frees up my mind so that when I'm, you know, praying or studying God's word, uh, I can understand things and uh, comprehend them and more effectively meditate on them. So to me, that's all that, that that's the real bonus uh, and the real key factor of uh, all of the, the things we do in public health, uh, as well as in, you know, just personal wellness is uh, increasing our ability to communicate uh, with our creator, but then also to be able to serve in our community. Eric, thank you uh, so much. We need to let you go because you've got a uh, meeting. You've been working about 80 hours a week, I hear. And uh, thank you so much for your time today, Eric. Uh, blessings on you as you continue to have wellness classes, cooking schools, the channel, as you serve the community and serve others in your vocation. Thank you for spending your time with us today. Thank you so much, uh, Skip, for having me and uh, blessings to all your listeners. And uh, thank you again so much. We'll get through this together. Right. This is uh, Skip Bell, listeners. Thank you for joining us today, being a part of Recalculating Adventist Life. Now, until next time, keep thinking and keep believing. <laughs>